Welcome, you're listening to the Brainy Speech Therapist podcast. Here we explore all things related to brain injury with a focus on the role of speech and language therapy within this exciting and ever-changing area. We're your hosts, Helen McLean and Jan McIntosh-Brown. Hello, welcome to the very first episode of our podcast. I'm Helen McLean. And I'm Jan. We're your hosts as we begin this journey in podcasting, which is very exciting, but I think we're both quite nervous too, aren't we, Jan? We are indeed. We're here in uncharted territory. So if you are listening to us here in episode one, right at the very start, uh, then thank you so much. But please be patient with us as there's a very good chance we'll make a few mistakes along the way. And that's kind of our intention here, isn't it, Helen? Just to make, like, be okay with making mistakes. You know, we're all just on the journey. We're all learning. We're not experts. Um, And hopefully we can only get better from this point on. So if you are listening to us from the future, I hope you can see how far we've come. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the best place to start is introducing ourselves, Helen. So why don't you go first? Sure. So I've been a qualified speech and language therapist for 10 years now, and I've been working with a brain injury caseload for about the last six years. Alongside that, I have still been working in an acute hospital too, so altogether quite a varied caseload. So as well as my brain injury patients, I might see people with strokes or people with dementia or post-surgery patients or people in ICU. So quite the mixed bag Um, and sometimes I maybe meet newer qualified therapists and they say oh 10 years that's a long time and I have to remind myself that they might consider 10 years to to be experienced but I certainly feel like I'm still constantly learning I think that might be a theme that comes up a lot but that's what makes speech therapy so interesting isn't it? It does indeed and um Can I ask you, I've got a few questions, but uh, what made you become a speech therapist? So, yeah, so it was quite a a journey, really. Um, So Mm -hmm. up until about kind of my mid-20s, I didn't know anything about speech and language therapy. And then my brother, in fact, had a brain injury and received speech and language therapy at that time. Mm -hmm. And here was a whole new career opened up to me. And I was a bit of a crossroads in life, figuring out what I wanted to do. And that path opened up and I've never looked back. Um, so, yeah. so, do you yeah. know, one of these life um, experiences that you never know where you'll end up, really. And, yeah. and not, not a pleasant experience, but it's and, turned out well. And doing a podcast too. <laughs> Who would have thought that? I don't think... <laughs> Um, I don't think 12 years ago when I started this journey that that would have been something I thought I would do but here we are (laughs) and so and so you said that you work in an acute hospital as well as working with people with brain injuries so I'm I'm assuming that your work with people with brain injuries is in the community is that right Yeah, so I work in a community brain injury rehab team. Um, So that means that we're seeing people once they've got home from hospital. And typically what we would do would be to see people in their own homes. Um, Sometimes, for example, my physio colleagues might see people 
at their local gym. Sometimes occupational therapy might see people at their workplace. Um, but like so many services with coronavirus this year, we've had to adjust what we do. And there's lots more in the way of video calls and phone calls um, as well as still managing to do some home visits. But we've definitely had to reduce that. Um, but I'm sure everyone's had changes to their working practices, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, indeed. And um, what do you like most about working with people with brain injuries? Is there something that really, really makes you I, feel good? Yeah, I think the fact that no two people are the same, no mm-hmm. two brain injuries are the same, but no two people pre-brain injury yeah. are the same. And so indeed. much of that in, informs how they um, react to living life after brain injury and what their goals are and just that being able to kind of really adapt what you're doing person to person makes it so interesting I think yeah yeah and we should probably cut clear something up Helen before um, um, I sort of talk about my background but um, that the, the we use a bit of jargon so if ever we use a bit of jargon and we're not people aren't sure what we're saying let us know but one of the most common ones is SLT <laughs> which is speech and language therapist and some people have SALT yes which is speech and language therapist <laughs> so <laughs> just just to clear that little one up in case um we slip into jargon on that but uh yeah mm-hmm Indeed. Absolutely, absolutely. And so um, tell us a bit about yourself, Jan. What's your story? Yes, yes. Well, um, I've, I studied and graduated in Australia. Mm-hmm. And so I in Australia, I worked for about 13 years with uh, children, school-age children with disabilities, and that was community-based. Um, I did work as a speech pathologist over in Australia, uh, but I did work up my way up through the organisation into more managerial positions. But I decided that, you know, what what I really always wanted to be was a great clinician. Mm. So when me and my family decided to relocate back here to Scotland, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for a clinical role. Mm-hmm. And completely changed everything. So changed the country, changed the caseload to adults with acquired brain injury and changed the environment from community to inpatient so yeah just went the whole hog absolutely why make it easy for yourself Jan (laughs) (laughs) indeed indeed yeah but you know it's I I really love what I do so Mm. and just you mentioned there about being a speech pathologist I wonder if it's worth kind of explaining maybe just the difference between maybe why some people might be referred to as speech pathologists and some of us are referred to as therapists yeah, well, I mean, I'm not aware of many, if any, speech therapists in the UK being called pathologists. But I mean, when I was studying, we were therapists. And then the Speech Pathology Australia, so our governing body, decided to change our name to pathologists because we diagnose disease. So that, you know, we were we were required for autism diagnosis and we diagnosed dysphagia so um that's why it was changed from therapist to pathologist 
That's really interesting because I yes. think in um, certainly I think in the states I think it's speech yeah, language pathologist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah. the, how how language is used in different places. Um, and do you, did you find it quite a leap working with children with disabilities to adults with brain injuries on top of poetry? Yeah. It, it it was yes well it was a big leap you know and but I I did have the support of an incredible speech and language therapist um uh, she was Kiwi so she was probably actually a speech pathologist <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah uh, she I worked side by side with her for two years she's now in Australia and I miss her every day and mm. um, that's Sarah Raphael if you're listening out there Sarah call <laughs> us and say hello um so. I did have her support and she was you know just amazing but I I do want to encourage people that are considering a change you know it is possible I did do it and the other thing is is that I do feel like there are there is a lot of um, similarity between you know children say a person with autism and a person with a brain injury they they do experience um, many similar issues with you know um, social communication and sensory issues so I have been able to transfer some mm-hmm. skills across mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no I think that's really interesting yeah. and I really like yeah. um, what you said about having that that mentor I think we can all think yeah. well, as we started out um, that, that have kind of maybe offered guidance and maybe sometimes don't even know that uh, the important role that they've played in shaping us as, as clinicians oh, um, no. it's nice just to kind of reflect on that every now and then isn't it indeed indeed I'm fortunate to work with a great speech and language therapy team so I've always got someone to bounce ideas off and of course our group our group of speech and language therapists that catch up which is where this podcast was born absolutely that's a lovely segue <laughs> into our next session Jan yeah. <laughs> indeed so um, we're going to talk about, you know, why we did actually start this podcast and um, a group of us at uh, the west coast of Scotland started a journal club and we would meet maybe two or three times a year and review a journal. And we became aware that, the you know, the CEN for Scottish Brain Injury hadn't met for a while. So we started talking about different options that we could we could do to support people link in with each other so we talked about webinars or teleconferencing and things and then you know it just seemed to grow from from that to being a podcast and so you know we talked about it didn't we we talked about it for a couple of years before we actually Helen and I actually said okay let's do this let's, let's stop talking about yes. it let's get on with it let's turn these these you know? thoughts and ideas into an action yeah. action yeah yes. yeah yeah and I ha- and I have to say you know Helen you are the creative force Helen's done all the graphics and all the sound and it's just it's lovely so thank you Helen, oh, for your well you're more than welcome I think um, this is <laughs> this is obviously being recorded remotely so we're not in the same room so Jan 
no. can't see can't see how much I'm blushing right now with the, the praise. Um, but uh, I think we're working well together so far, aren't we? So long may that continue. Yes, yes. And I think indeed, the, indeed. the the podcast it's it, there's not many podcasts like this one around. For all that the the podcast market is maybe reaching saturation point, but I am I don't think we're aware of of others that kind of fit and, this bill. That's a really interesting point, Helen, because, you know, I, I was commuting for a while from Edinburgh to Glasgow, so two drives a day, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, for those of you who don't know, it could be um, an hour or it could be two hours, mm-hmm. depending on traffic. So I was listening to a lot of clinical podcasts, but they were pretty much on dysphagia. So I did sort of, that's where I was searching and searching and searching for something even I didn't even care if it was speech and language therapy. I just thought anything on brain injury would be sensational. So, um, yeah, kind of that's that, that there is a gap. So yeah. this is part of our purpose, isn't it? Yeah, and certainly uh, there's been a couple of times I've listened to maybe some not necessarily full series about brain injury, but they occasionally have someone with a brain injury talking about an experience or a researcher um, and it's mm-hmm. been quite clear that perhaps a presenter isn't not that knowledgeable about the area not to say that we are experts but <laughs> that's right Helen yeah, just, just to put that <laughs> there learning. again um, <laughs> but you know you can hear things and you think oh there's definitely room for our podcast so hopefully hopefully listeners yeah <laughs> Give us feedback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's that's what I would like to see that you know that people do come on and share ideas, even if they want to come on and talk about a difficult case or mm. something, you know, or you know, it's got to be organic and dynamic, and that we're that we are all learning. There's no way that we can know everything, and I never want to be in that place. So yeah, I'll, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I couldn't agree yes, more. Yeah. Yes, yeah. We want to get people from dis- different disciplines and professions. We we would be we would love to have family members and people with brain injuries come on and chat about their experiences mm-hmm. as well. But at this point, what are we planning, Helen? One a month at the moment. Yeah, that's I think our um Where our starting point. <laughs> Where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're both working full-time in our jobs. Yeah. We both have lives out with speech and language therapy, which I know might be hard to believe, but um, that, that yeah. there it is, you know. So we hope once once a month and we'll yeah. take it from there. Yeah. Yeah, and we're, and we're learning as well. So we do have a little assistant in the background helping us. Um, but we are learning, so you know it's it's it takes time for us to get ourselves organized and think about things we do have a few good speakers lined up which we'll speak speak about at the end keep you hanging <laughs> keep you tuned in for more um but uh, yeah we we certainly do want this to be a growing learning experience for all of us absolutely and i think just on that note you know a lot of people that i speak to who are maybe not as familiar in working in the area of brain injury can sometimes feel quite hesitant and a little bit worried about not getting it right so you know maybe if we can go some small way to helping people understand that caseload a little bit more and to see that it's not 
something to be worried about or to doubt yourself in. We all doubt ourselves, but that's how we learn, isn't it? If everything was perfect, we wouldn't change anything, so nothing would progress. Exactly, yes. Okay, so we are going to do a wee chat today, aren't we? Yes, yeah, we've got a quick message and then we'll get started with today's topic, which is about brain injury and Christmas. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are of the individual and should not be considered professional advice. If you have a brain injury, suspect you have a brain injury, or think someone you know has a brain injury, please seek dedicated professional advice. Since we're starting this podcast in December, we thought a good topic to cover would be Christmas and New Year. For people with a brain injury or those close to them, this time of year in particular can bring some additional stresses. We find that routine can often be really helpful for people with brain injury, but this is often difficult to maintain over the festive season. And there's often greater demands on all of us. And when I say that, I mean things like the family get-togethers, loud parties having food ready for larger numbers of people than usual, having to go out and face shops that are busier than usual. But we do have to realise that this is 2020 and coronavirus is having an impact and Christmas New Year is going to be different than usual. Um, But I wonder, to start us off, Jan, could you give us a bit of detail as to why people with brain injury can have difficulties with changes in routine? Let's start off with the big one, you know, the, the, the term we use is executive function. So that's a range of skills that, pe- that we all have that um, people can experience difficulties with if they hurt the front part of their brain, the part that's called the frontal mm-hmm. lobe lobes so uh, they can you know executive dysfunction can cover a range of skills that are cognitive emotional and behavioral so we're just going to talk through them a little bit and talk about what that what those difficulties might look like and suggest some strategies that people probably already are aware of but just to refresh them yeah so we've got i've actually got a really nice kind of image that i'm sure we'll we'll share with all of you but um, there's a few different areas that we can break executive functioning down into so um, like Jan's saying we'll maybe talk about them kind of turn by turn but maybe one of the the first ones to think about um, is something called impulse control which is basically just thinking before we do something isn't it it can present in lots of different ways, can't it? I mean, I was thinking about it before we got started today and just, you know, that 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 impulse control can come across as someone maybe saying something out of turn or maybe swearing mm-hmm. and it, you know, when when you know others are not expecting it or, you know, even something like picking up a hot tray out of the oven without using gloves. I mean it's yes. just Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. so there's Christmas is just uh, right for for these things being difficult, isn't it? Because there's lots uh-huh. of social yes. gatherings. There's lots to be thinking about, to be planning. Our mind is in lots of different places. And so unfortunately, often with brain injury, someone having executive functioning difficulties might find that 
thinking before acting becomes a little bit more difficult and they have to recognise that um, and and break it down a little bit more and realise, no, I have a tendency to maybe think before I do something or not think before I do something. Yeah, the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. so actually I need to take my time and maybe yeah. remember to take a few breaths before I speak back to that hole that maybe I was just... riles me up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know that we often use a strategy like a sort of um like a self talk strategy strategy of like talk uh, stop mm-hmm. and think. You know, almost like a traffic yes. light, isn't it? You know, the, the red traffic light, then the ambers, you're planning, and then you greens, you're, okay, go ahead, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. I was all, also thinking that, you know, particularly if you're in the kitchen and you are, you know, doing some cooking or something, making sure things are at hand so that if you do impulsively reach for that oven door that the oven gloves mm-hmm. are right there and, you, and you, it triggers that thought of oh, yes okay. and I think what is interesting yeah. is that a lot of the factors of executive functioning do interlink so just what you said there about thinking um beforehand you know oh, have the oven gloves to hand so another factor that can be impacted on is yeah. that planning and prioritizing so just that little forethought to yeah. think this is something that I do find a bit difficult i need to plan how to break it down and if we think about it in terms of communication maybe thinking okay i'm going to be going on a video call with my relatives down south or what have you it's actually a really good opportunity to take a little bit of time to think right what are they going to ask what are they going to want to talk about and can prep some answers can't you Um, yeah, and some questions yes, to ask. Yes, because as well. we always say we want conversations yeah. to be back and forth 50 50, walking and listening. Yes, yeah. quite. <laughs> yeah, because I do often feel that sometimes our people with brain injuries can become a little bit passive and, you know, not, not intentionally. It's just that, you know, yeah, people tend to talk yes. to them. So. <laughs> It's nice to have some Absolutely, so that you can then participate more and be active in that. And particularly, a lot of people, a lot of people with brain injury can have difficulties with knowing what's changed about them and having insight. And I'm sure that that's going to be something that will come up a lot in this podcast. But a lot of people that certainly I work with, Jan, I'm sure you're the same, are very aware of what's changed for them. And that's difficult as uh-huh. well, isn't it? And sometimes a period like Christmas mm-hmm. really brings that into sharp focus because it can be a difficult yeah. time of year anyway for some people, but maybe you're dealing with feelings of loss or guilt that you can't participate in the things that you used to or help out in the way that you used to. Um, and that can, be, that can yeah. be really difficult for people, but I think it's just about putting it out there that, that, that acknowledging that's difficult it's sometimes half the battle isn't it yeah indeed and you know some of the we're going to talk a little bit about you know some of the additional challenges that families and people with dis, um, brain injuries might experience so indeed and something that we've talked about recently Helen um, is that emotional control I think we we're just having a conversation the other day about 
the a psychologist that I worked with. So emotional control is part of one of our executive functions, and that's you know being able to, you know, manage yourself, um, you know, manage your emotions. And I was mentioning to Helen that one of the psychologists I worked with had explained, you know, when people become quite emotional and maybe excited that that can quite easily trip over into irritability or upset because when you have a brain injury and it's um, impacted on those areas that you know that emotional control can be not as well Mm -hmm. governed Mm -hmm. as it usually is so emotions can be a little bit raw and you know, family contact, the anxiety that could make trigger um, irritability. Yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's such a huge psychological event that's happened to someone, isn't it? And and we're sitting here speech yep. and language yep. therapists, and that is obviously our focus is communication. But we can't disregard the impact of this huge life event on someone and how they feel about it, how the people around them feel about it, not just in terms of the the psychological aspect but also maybe potentially the brain structures dealing with that like you're saying those frontal lobes and um, the limbic system um, often has a lot to do with our emotions as well and that um, we were saying the other day in that conversation just about the how that then feeds into our language um, and and just I think there's maybe some research more to do with PTSD about when we are very heightened in some sort of emotion whether that's fear or anger or um or happiness that sometimes we aren't as good at talking then are we and i I think i think the the, yeah yeah exactly and and i think it's just interesting that i think once upon a time we maybe thought each area of the brain was quite discreet but i think we've come to realize that's not true at all and we all interact with each other don't they so um, so some of the things some of the things I guess that I'm sure we all do uh, do personally as well is relaxation but and then also um, a useful strategy is your self-talk or I often talk to the people I work with about you know a mm. mantra you know I, I always say to them when I was going for an exam or something, I'd, I'd always say to myself, I'm okay, it's going to be okay, I'm okay, it's going to be okay, you know, and just just to try and calm myself down and, you know, and build confidence within myself. So that's often a strategy that I support the people I work yeah. with to adopt because if you ever listen to yourself talk, it's it's not particularly positive. Oh, we're we're all, all our own know? harshest critics, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. So and you know it's and it takes takes yeah. practice, doesn't it, to use positive positive thinking practice. and and um, speaking about thinking, something that another area of executive function that people can sometimes find problematic after brain injury is to think flexibly, to adjust their behavior to maybe uh-huh. unexpected changes. You know whether that's the, which is about to exactly. happen with Christmas. Lots Christmas is the prime example of unexpected yeah. changes, isn't it? <laughs> you know that the yeah. shop runs out yeah. of the the Brussels that you really needed, or that yeah. toy that your child really wants. You burn yeah. turkey. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, I think in that case, you know, it's it, if if you know that's your difficulty, then you know, 
take a moment, you know, if, th if things change, that's that whole stop and think, to take a breath, think about yourself, talk, everything's <laughs> going to be okay, you know. I often used to say to myself, I won't sell my children, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> putting things into perspective and thinking. Yeah, yeah and you know? and trusting that you can yeah. if you've got people around you people in your you know close family to be honest with them to say oh, this, this yes, is tough you know right. and I know I'm maybe not doing well at, at yeah. thinking on my feet um yeah. and then that might knock into someone being very frustrated but often more with themselves because they know that they're having these difficulties so we're back yeah. to the emotional control but that's where yeah, and that's where we're back to the planning <laughs> and into, into working memory, yeah. another area of executive functioning. Yes, um, exactly. And of course, with, with working memory, I mean, we all think it's, you know, we take it for granted. But, you know, if you've got a memory impairment, don't forget your pen and paper, you know, and then nowadays, you know, reminders on phones and timers. And I think the other thing that I think is giving permission to people to remind you or, you know, if you don't want mm -hmm. people reminding you, then letting them know that you don't want to be reminded, but taking responsibility and doing using your own yes. memory strategy you know so again it's that talking that's being that transparent that planning and preparation because I think some so, people yes absolutely I think some people can can really spend quite a lot of time almost fighting that because it's very hard to accept that maybe you know there are, there's memory changes there and if I just try hard enough I'll remember that information um, yes. But I think you know nowadays, like yes. you say, there's there's so many apps and our phones and diaries, and and everyone uses them. That hopefully people can feel like actually yeah. they're not drawing attention to themselves when they say, "Oh, actually, hang on a minute, I've got this in my phone and I need to check what what is that I need to get." Yeah. Because everyone does that nowadays. Um, because I think a lot I of people did. with brain injury can feel very self-conscious, can't they? Uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a hidden disability for a lot of people. Um, That's a really good point you've just made. And I think, going, yeah, yeah, so so yeah. I think people can have a bit of fear about maybe showing their vulnerability. Yeah. And people can be mm -hmm. quick to judge. And I'm sure this is something we'll talk about in the future. Um, yeah. Um, but so. I think... It's Definitely. just to is that kind of positive self talk that you were you were mentioning. You know that it's actually it's okay to use these strategies and to use my phone and to say yeah. to someone, you know, oh my memory's not that great. Give me a moment. You know, you don't need to tell a person. Oh, I've had a brain yeah. injury. You can if you want to, but you can just say, oh, you know, I've got a lot in my mind. Um, and at Christmas. Everyone does, and, and this year <laughs> yeah. everyone's had a lot in their mind. So, you know, people can often be more forgiving than we think yeah. they'll be. Um, but all of that is about being organised, yeah. doesn't it? And indeed, organisation, yes. Another uh, executive function, organisation, making sure you've got your plans in place. And do you know what? The, the thing that also, another executive function that kind of, I mean, they all seem mm. to, you know, support each other, but task initiation Helen you know what if you have difficulties with task initiation none of this exactly. is going to happen yes you know so <laughs> 
So, you know, um, I often think, I often hear that, you know, oh, he just won't do it or he doesn't get started or this or that. You know, if people do have difficulty with task initiation, it's not that they don't want to do the task. It's not that they can't do the task. It's that they have difficulty getting the task started. So, you know, the, you, if, if that is for you, then you may need a little bit of help um, either from a person mm-hmm. or from your phone to yeah, get you started. Absolutely, because okay. phone reminders, you know, alarms that you've set are brilliant. Yep. And it might be, you know, from a communication point of view, you know fine well that you really want to phone someone and have a chat. And it's always in your head yep. to do it, but you just never quite get around to do it. Yeah, yeah. You procrastinate yes, or exactly. And sometimes yes. it is about maybe putting it in your phone to say, right, at seven o'clock on Thursday, I'm going to phone my cousin. And then yep. that alarm goes off and that's what you're doing. And you kind of make a bit of a commitment to yourself, I think. <laughs> yeah. And also, I think um, setting up habits, new habits and routines, which, you know, if, if, you, if you're happy to move on from executive functions, we could talk about some more general things. I, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. just quickly, I know people have been listening now for a little while, but I was thinking about the, you know, Christmas as a whole and how people are likely to experience grief mm-hmm. and sadness. I mean, it's a time where maybe this like you were talking about the spotlight is on this mm-hmm. hidden disability that you know people have experienced changes and things and so you know you know it's about talking about that grief and and allowing yeah people not in. something that Scotland were and very good at but yeah traditions no yeah so I mean you know because I've moved countries twice moved to mm. Australia and then moved back here um you know, I had to make an effort to set up new traditions for myself at at Christmas mm-hmm. and special occasions. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, when someone has experienced a big change mm-hmm. or grief or loss, you know, that setting up small new traditions. Okay, so Christmas isn't the same. Maybe you don't feel the same because of your brain injury. Maybe your relationships are different. Mm-hmm. Your social circle is different. So So let's just say, okay, that is different what's something new that I'm going to start doing what I think that's such a good idea and yeah I've heard of some people some people that have worked with them and their families will say you know this is what we're doing instead it used to be that we would have everyone round and it would be 20 people for Christmas but we just know that's not actually what we want to do anymore so we're having just us and we're getting you know an easy cook dinner and we're having a lovely family day ourselves yeah (laughs) keep it simple keep it simple and I think um you may have mentioned already that you know if if people if if you are experiencing grief and loss then you may need additional support right now you know you may you may need to visit your doctor and talk about it or you may need you know if you still have links with community services or something just a little bit extra support it's okay to talk about it it's okay to say you know absolutely and even if it's a case of just chatting through with someone things like the headway um, Uh charity run 
a helpline, these sorts of things are out there that it might be you feel I just need someone to chat to once or twice. These sorts of things are are out there. Um, sometimes they take a wee bit of searching about for, but um, you know, don't don't hold this yourself. I think is yeah. what we're saying, isn't it? Whether you're the person with the brain injury or whether yeah. you're a family member or a friend supporting someone, um, and and I think we were yeah. we were saying before Jan, you know, Christmas, as you kind of touched on, is a time where there's there can be lots of emotions whizzing about. There can feel feel like there's pressure for to be happy and to feel very positive. But sometimes it yeah, can all get yeah. a bit much and don't feel bad if you do need a bit of time out every now and then, which I think is yeah. advice for all of yeah. us. Um, yeah, and I think I think um, being open and honest that state, like if you are feeling like that, that statements like mm. cheer up are not, re- not <laughs> really helpful. You know, that it can only cause you to feel potentially more um, out of sorts. And and also your own self-talk you know because sometimes you can say oh I should just cheer up or mm-hmm. I should just get on with it and you know and that 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 may not be helpful either so be kind to yourself maybe set lower expectations as well of yourself you know talk about it with people that are in your life and come up with an easier plan like Helen was talking about a, a easy cook meal and then the other thing I was thinking about Helen is that you know, a lot of people may not have a busy day and, in fact, may be pretty much on their own, you know. So perhaps if that, that is your situation, you're not going to have much to do. Plan to do something special for yourself. It doesn't have to be much. It could be like a nice bubble bath or taking the dog for a walk or watching your favourite movie with a absolutely yeah yeah and I think it's it's (laughs) kind of what you were saying before about thinking outside the box and yeah and you know Uh there's a lot to be said that if you know you might be on your own in terms of maybe not having family around but you know if you've got a pet then that can be a really lovely source of comfort and nowadays with social media um I know I remember seeing last year, and I think I've seen her posting about it this year, the, the comedian Sarah Millican put, um, does a Twitter feed every Christmas Day for people who are on their own and can connect okay, with each other. That's um, it's, and it's lovely, you yeah. know. So sometimes just about yeah. seeking out new ways to connect because we're... I think that's like Yeah, we're social beings, thing. aren't we? Even the most shy... We, are. we we, we are. need a bit of, of contact with with yeah. other be- with other people um and and yeah. kind of what we were saying before about that kind of planning and prepping and it might be that you feel mm-hmm. maybe you're going to be speaking with family members or friends that you've not had an awful lot of contact with since your brain injury you know if, especially if it's quite recent maybe having a think about how much do you want to say because you will inevitably be asked how are yeah. you doing and um, yes yeah have a script absolutely have a script we often work support people to have a script you know we're working from a script (laughs) (laughs) and and like all true true Um, professionals we're not necessarily sticking to the scripts word for word but that's what makes us work (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's right Um, I think the other point that we've not mentioned (laughs) actually just around this kind of coping at 
Christmas, yeah. whether yeah. that's being on your own or finding it very busy and needing time out, yeah. that um, we've spoken about kind of the benefits of things like mindfulness or other meditation techniques. Uh, just that mm-hmm. coming back to mm-hmm. if you if you've used mindfulness, I'm sure you'll you'll know. But if you've not, then it's really a, a kind of quite a simple technique that brings you back to the present moment. Usually, kind of focusing on something like our, your breath, so breathing in, breathing out, and just taking a few breaths like that can sometimes really help cut through the white noise that you might feel you're experiencing. Um, and I think we. And again, there's lots of apps yes. for that. Yeah. I mean, what what is what is that? Oh, I can't think. Headspace. There's Headspace. There's Calm. Um, there's yep. Insight Meditation Timer. Um, oh, there's I think yep. there's lots and lots. And it and it might be yeah. that it's a bit. It might be about your breath. It might be visualizing on something. It might be you know a photo that that has a really yep. lovely association for you. You know, there's. There's lots of possibilities, but sometimes there's so many possibilities you don't know where to begin, and we're back to that difficulty with yes, initiation, so... aren't we? So... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yes, keep it simple. Um, okay, so before we sign off, just there's probably two little uh, physical difficulties that we should probably touch on, which is just sensory mm. overload and mm-hmm. fatigue. So uh, sensory overload, we're thinking about, you know, you're going to the shops, there's lots of people around, it's busy, it's noisy, there's lots of lights, you know, that that could mm-hmm. be challenging. Um, uh, a condition that does come with um, brain mm-hmm. injury, not always, but uh, occasionally is hyperacusis. And so that's where a person might have a hypersensitive hearing. And now it's not a, a hearing difficulty as such, um, but it, it's just that the nerve is overly sensitive. And this, this can cause people to be quite mm-hmm. irritable with um, noises and they don't have to be loud noises. You know, it can be like it, quite often as a scraping of chairs mm-hmm. on the floor. Um, and now... Often people will put earplugs in to try and reduce the noise, but that actually only creates more difficulty. Mm -hmm. So one of the most common strategies to manage this is listening to white noise when you're Mm -hmm. sleeping. So you can either do that on your phone or you can do that by something called a sound ball that will play white noise in the background. And that just helps reduce that sensitivity. And then we've got fatigue. Yeah. How long does that work? Well, I mean, I think fatigue is probably the number one issue that, that everyone yeah. I work with experiences to oh. some degree. And I think, oh, we right. could do an entire right. podcast series on fatigue on its own, couldn't we? Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, we should get a physio in to talk about it. Physio and OT, OT yes. now support people with fatigue. Yeah. yeah, so I think yeah, that's definitely something we should we should arrange for the near future because some people do really well with managing their fatigue, and but I think yeah. I don't know about you, Jan. Most people think if I just keep going, it'll be fine, and if I'm yes. just not trying hard enough, yeah. um, and of course, a tired brain is not exactly. working effectively. 
And, you know, that there are so many experiences that your brain is going to engage in over Christmas Mm -hmm. and New Year. There's plenty of opportunity for for your for your brain to be learning stuff, but it's not going to learn if it's fatigued. It's going to be like, get me out of here. So ensure you plan some rest time and downtime so that you can, you know, um, give your brain the best opportunity yeah we talk i don't know about you janet uh, your workplace but we quite often will use an analogy of a battery being drained and okay. so you might feel at your best you yeah. know you're fully charged but then everything you do is just taking away a little bit of that energy and you've got to have things that bring it back up okay. again um and that that looks different for okay. every person um but sometimes it can be quite a good analogy quite a good visual for people to think right where, where am i at in my battery yep indeed yeah indeed a lot of these suggestions and the issues we've spoken about are on a, a lovely blog post that we'll put a link to in the show notes for this episode and on our Twitter and Instagram pages and we'd love to hear any other suggestions for coping with any of the issues we've we've spoken about relating to Christmas and managing Christmas around um, having a brain injury because what we've spoken about is just scratching the surface isn't it? It is indeed. So this is us at the end of our podcast so we do encourage you to come back and listen to our next episode because next time we're going to have Lynn Grayson joining joining us now Lynn is a colleague of Helen and I Helen actually works with Lynn so um, that is sensational (laughs) we are so proud to know Lynn she has just completed a research paper for her master's on cognitive communication and it involves surveying families to see what their needs were and whether they felt their needs were being addressed. So Lynn will be, she, there's an article. Yeah, we'll, we'll, put a, article. we'll put a link to, the, to yep, her article yep. as well if you want to have a read of it before the episode comes out. That'll be linked to. So um, please have a read. Please join us and listen to Lynn talking yeah. about her. Our research. very first guest, which is great. And we're very grateful to our agreeing to coming mm-hmm. come and talk to us. Okay, folks, that's all from us for now. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram and stay tuned for our next episode. Mm-hmm.